I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And uh, happy Monday. We are recording this the day after you have probably experienced, I'm guessing the odds are pretty good that if you're listening to this podcast, if you're really passionate about television, especially the quality television that we like to talk about here, you've probably given the show Westworld a gander. Man, I don't know, Liz. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. The confusing element of it for me is the last time we were this primed over an HBO drama premiering it was vinyl and nobody watched it to be fair we were not as primed on 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 vinyl as we are on on uh, Westworld well we weren't as excited about vinyl as we are about Westworld but we definitely were in the mindset of we've got to give this a ton of coverage we got to have this on every angle we got to have interviews reviews analysis episode reviews blah 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 blah. like we were on top of it can that happen again are we living? We're on Friday. We don't know what happened. Yeah. It's Monday when they're listening to this. Yeah. Could Westworld have debuted with less than a million viewers? I doubt it. I think that I think the the resources that HBO have put into this are pretty massive. The same resources that uh, did vinyl. Yeah, but also like vinyl was boring. <laughs> Nobody knew that going in. It was Martin Scorsese's two-hour pilot. Yeah, well, this isn't less than two hours-ish. Thank God. Uh, by, by not a large margin, by the way. It is not a short pilot. Oh, it's, it's, it's what, like an hour and eight? Yeah, it's still pretty long. Well, it's, I mean, I'd say it's significantly shorter than our legitimate two-hour premiere of vinyl. That's which fair. Was, whew, that was, well, actually, that wasn't the bad part, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, the point is, is that Westworld looks to be a really interesting show. It's got some really big ideas it's exploring. It's got some really big cast members. It's got some, ah. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is going to bring in some eyeballs. You want to you go back and forth, see how many we can remember? Oh, God. Uh, sure. All right. Well, you you're got, gonna, you, you're you going to carry Anthony, this. You, you had Anthony Hopkins, um, Jeffrey Wright. Evan Rachel Wood. James Marsden. Uh, you took my Jeffrey Wright. He's really the one that I wanted to talk about. Um, Teddy Newton. Uh, Shannon Woodward. Oh, Shannon Woodward. That's a good pick. Um, I'm going easy on you. There's at least one more obvious one. Um, oh, Ed Harris. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Liz just mimed putting on a hat for all of you wonderful <laughs> listeners who are not subscribing to our video podcast <laughs> coming in 2018. Yes. Oh, 2018. Uh, well, well, it'll be such a better year. Um, but yes. And then let's see. Uh, Rodrigo Santoro. Is that the guy from Love Actually? Yes. Okay, great. I remember seeing him and I was Carl like, Carl from Love Actually? You don't belong in a black hat. You're supposed to be a nice guy. And then, well, I guess but he was he, also he was also a bad guy on uh, Lost, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, I'm going to go with the wonderful actress whose name I never remember from Raising Hope. That was Shannon Woodward. That's Shannon Woodward. Suck that's, it! Wait, that's Shannon Woodward. That's her name. That is her name. That is her name. That is not what I was. I would have never. You would you know, have, she did you not. Literally just, said does that not name. look like Shannon Woodward to you. No. Who did you think I meant when I said Shannon Woodward? I assumed one of the prostitutes. Fair. I don't actually know. Like Vanessa Paradisi. This is this is very wow. thrilling. Con- wow. I, for for one of the what Deep was cut. was like like Clementine the prostitute. I, I don't, think. I don't know. Jimmy Simpson. Now, I'm going to be fair. You have a slight edge because you've seen the credits in which the names were actually included, and I've only seen 
temporary credits that just said first la- first name last name and then occasionally different name. So. Yes, uh, we we this one of the fun things about screeners is that sometimes they send them to us in various states of completion. Uh, you know, it's usually like we're, we're getting the whole episode, but sometimes there'll be like you'll see like an effect shot that hasn't been completed or something. And in Westworld's case, we got the incomplete credits. Yeah, usually they just kind of skip the credits, but I guess they really wanted us to see the uh, see that opening and its and its temp VFX. So yeah, I mean, I think the the full on opening is actually much much more striking than the temp one. I I know I got bored of the temp one, uh, but maybe that was also just uh, so I went to the premiere on Wednesday. And uh, what and for for comparison's sake, uh, you know the premiere of Game of Thrones season six was held at the Man Chinese, uh, which is one of the biggest theaters in Los Angeles, and then the after party was held at um, <clears throat> was held on in at the uh, Roosevelt Hotel, and they took over two levels of the hotel and had it filled with all sorts of games and uh, adventure, you know, surprises, and it was really cool. Um, so Westworld got exactly the same treatment. Uh, Westworld was given, uh, premiered at the Man Chinese on the massive IMAX screen. And then we all trundled across the street to the Roosevelt Hotel where they had, uh, they had a, they had blackjack and uh, roulette uh, that you could play for chips. And the, if you got earned enough chips, you could win a hat. Um, uh, and then there were also like photo booths and food and, uh, uh, I got, I got an arm, arm tattoo thingy. Um, that's not permanent, mom. Don't worry. And uh, yeah, Long it was hair. it was a good time. But it, it, the, the reason I bring this up, aside from gloating about this awesome party I went to, I mean, it was it was pretty good. It was a it pretty good party. fun. It seemed like a good, it was a good party. Uh, but aside from bragging about that, and apologies I didn't go, for, you guys. Like I didn't go to this. You thing. could have gone. Yeah, but I didn't because I'm one of the people, one with our audience. Oh please. One of the commoners, blue collar worker. <laughs> oh my god. Literally wearing blue collar right Ugh, now. That's god. who I am. I'm here for you guys. He's just too lazy, and he gets insecure. That's 100, <laughs> 110% true. Anyways, uh, but the reason I bring it up, aside from bragging and also making Ben feel bad about himself. I feel fine. Um, <laughs> is that uh, people are talking a lot about Westworld in a couple of different contexts, one of which is, as we all know, HBO has a problem where Game of Thrones is not only kind of sputtering to a stop, but it won't even be in contention for next year's Emmys, ergo, HBO could be a very lowly, low awarded network come next year. Comparatively, comparatively to its to its insane traditional. Well, didn't they get like fifty six nominations and thirty six of those were for Game of Thrones? Uh, You mean wins? Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm just making up a number, but that sounds right to me. Yeah, those those that's a little high, but yes. Yes. Okay. Um. So, anyways, the point is, is that people are looking at Westworld kind of in the through the mindset of. Could this be the next Game of Thrones? Could this fill in where that's necessary? And I know there are a lot of different elements to compare it to. I'm sure Ben has a strong thought about this, given Ben's deep abiding affection for Game of Thrones. Well, honestly, Liz, this is what uh, confuses me the most. I don't understand the obsession with Game of Thrones. Uh, If I lived in a neutral universe uh, shielded from ratings and, and people chattering online and numbers... And you just showed me the first few seasons of Game of Thrones, and then asked me what you know kind of viewership it was getting. I'd probably say average to middling. I would have not anticipated it to be such a success that it is. Um, so comparing it to to what Westworld wants to be, I kind of have to go with the the very basic comparisons, like the the literal similarities between them, aka 
the violence, the sexuality, the star power, the, the, the world building, those kind of elements, which all check the boxes. Like this all hits pretty much every one of those needs. They do them differently. They're not comparable necessarily once you've seen the final product, um, but they're all still present. There's all, there's still, there's, there is very exciting, very well done, very high production value action scenes. Um, there's a lot of, well, there's no, actually, there's not that many scantily clad women or men for that matter, but uh, they exist. Uh, there's a lot of world building and mysteries going on and, and kind of you know, trying to figure out who's in charge and what's going to happen. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd feel, if I was HBO, I'd feel pretty good about it. I'd never feel confident enough to bet, you know, everything on this one show being the awards monster and the ratings monster that uh, Game of Thrones has become. But I'd say they're off to a pretty good start. Yeah, I mean, critically, I think uh, there, there have definitely been naysayers since we first got screeners back in July uh, for TCAs. But, you know, I feel like the, the reaction, I think, is pretty positive for the most part. I haven't looked at Metacritic or anything, but it's I have, doing have well. you, it's, yeah, it's, I think it was in the upper 70s last time I checked on Metacritic. Which is good for Metacritic. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's an interesting, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. And honestly, I think what it comes down to is how how much the characters really get, you know, developed. Because I think there's, you know, the ideas are really good so far in, in Westworld, I think. And I think there's some characters that are sparking. Like, who who, who stands out for you so far? Uh, Evan Rachel Wood, Dolores, for sure. Um, she's huge. Jeffrey Wright has uh, is, is always been a big character for me, or a big actor, I should say, for me. And his character seems like it's going to have some secrets, have some depth, have some uh, challenges along the way. So that should be very exciting for everybody to watch, especially since he is an underappreciated talent in general. So if this is his breakout moment to ascend to the level of stardom he deserves, then great. Um, but, I mean, the big players all do well as well. I mean, Anthony Hopkins, is, is that's a perfect character for Anthony Hopkins to play, the doctor for the creator of the park. Uh, he's He's got that kind of glow about him, that 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 sense that when you look at him you just you have inherent respect for whatever he is doing there it's like this guy is the guy so he fits that role very well as well as you know kind of holding in those mysteries and thankfully he's playing it fairly low-key uh throughout the episodes we've seen including the premiere uh which i appreciate quite a bit from mr hopkins or sir anthony hopkins i should say uh so yeah i, I mean i think they're off to a pretty good start with the characters and the mysterious backstories are going to have to be where they really pay off I feel for those mm -hmm. to get a hook but I mean Liz based on the premiere is there is there anybody I'm forgetting that really you know knocked your socks off well uh you know Jeffrey Wright of course is a big one uh it's interesting I feel like uh I feel like here's the question I feel like you, we, we we all know that we all know that Evan Rachel Wood is a robot uh she is an artificial creation I'm curious if you think that's going to affect. Uh, sorry, not to change the subject, but I'm curious if that if you, you mentioned her right away, right off the bat. But do you think how how do you think that will the fact that she is an artificial creation will affect people's ability to engage with her? Uh, I don't anticipate that to be a problem. Um, I feel like audiences are trained to be trained to root for the underdog, trained to root for the oppressed, trained to hope for a rebellion from people who are being taken advantage of, and that perception, uh, so far at least, especially in the pilot, of while they're robots, it doesn't matter. We should be able to do whatever we want to them. That has been that's been perceived to be the opinion of 
the evildoers, of the bad guys, of the cruel and the unusual, of the people who show up at the park and do monstrous things because they have the chance to do monstrous things. And that's not something you inherently want to identify with. So in terms of Evan Rachel Wood being a robot um, and her journey being hindered by a lack of humanity, I, I don't think that's going to be the case because I think as the show progresses, and this is not based on anything I've actually seen other than the pilot, um, I think that she's going to become more and more human, and she's going to become more and more recognizable to us, and then she's going to become an even better character than she is from the get-go. Interesting. I mean, that's the cool thing about this show is that we're very deliberately attempting to uh, – it, it is meant to be kind of exploring that divide between what we define as human and what we define as artificial – I think you know they talk big ideas uh, about like the you know I believe in the in in the pilot you know it's we're it's set in a not too distant future, but we don't know exactly how distant. We just know that Anthony Hopkins says something to the effect of "We have cured all disease, and we have cured or managed or whatever yes. it is." Yeah, but like so essentially, you know, you know he he sees he looks at humanity as kind of having reached its end point. It's break it, it's you know final final destination. And so is this essentially the rise of a new species? Um, and I think that's the big one of the biggest ideas. The quest for immortality. And how do you obtain it? I mean, it's, a, it's been a discussion for now, a how long do you connect, time. How do you connect uh, the, that to the, to the creation of a new species to the uh, you know, search for immortality? Because like he says, if, if humanity has been able to solve all disease and, and this is the end point and that's as good as we can do, the obvious next question is how do you live forever? Mm-hmm. And he is somebody who's experimenting with artificial intelligence. And when you when you experiment with that sort of thing and you create a robot oh. or a machine that can seemingly doesn't need anything to survive. It can survive on its own as long as somebody's not there to shoot it. Oh. It can live forever. So that's that to me that's what Hopkins is is plant plot or I should say <laughs> Dr. Ford is plotting and planning and working on and and the, frankly that's going to be one of the, I feel like that's a main theme of the show already in that that's the divide between these two like these, I guess, not species, but between humans and robots, that humans are going to die eventually no matter what. The robots don't have to, so that's their edge, and we'll see kind of how that plays in later on. But, I I mean, in terms of the characters, which, again, I completely agree with you, I think they're off to a much better start in this than they were with Game of Thrones in terms of finding people that you really want to root for. And for me, for me, it's James Marsden, too. Yeah. Love James Marsden. Love yes. his character in this. Uh, yes. I feel like that has so many great opportunities to explore kind of the, the tragic hero who's literally been put in this place to... Yeah, we, I'm going to cut you off there, certain Ben. certain things happen to him. I'm going to cut you off here we're because... We're going to move on. We had it. We got... Because we, we're trying to be careful about spoilers, and HBO was pretty clear about that one. Well, it's out now. Yep. Well, the show's aired. That's right. But we also, we're trying to be gentle for you who have not watched Westworld, perhaps. So you should watch it. You should definitely watch it. It's cool. Yeah. But it's and, crucial. And, but getting back to the uh, to the original point, it, it I feel like with those characters, with, with the start they're on right now, as well as, you know, frankly, just the acting talent that's involved, like you're naturally inclined to want to see some of these people perform pretty much no matter what. And Ed Harris, good God, he's oh, so nailing good. this role. Um, so I feel like they're going to be off to a good start in terms of, if they can get that audience, if they can get a big enough initial audience and hook them, and they can pay off by the end of season one, then they're going to be on the perfect path to build into something like Game of Thrones. So, I mean, it, it is it does make me wonder, like, what is what is the special sauce that made Game of Thrones so special? Um, I and I know I know you just said you it's didn't gross. know. What? It's gross. I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Ew. I think people are just really into dragons. Could be. 
But I mean, it was, I mean, I think. That was literally all I'd hear for like the first few seasons. Like, when are the dragons coming back? Oh my God, I just saw a dragon. I'm like, yeah, okay. You can see those anytime you want. They're all over the place. Go watch Dragonheart. <laughs> Dragonheart, I remember actually liking a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed Dragonheart. Reign of Fire. Reign of Fire. God, Great movie. Way better than any episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, that is. It is directed by the same guy who directed the X-Files colon fight the future. Fact. Yep. That, that is a fact. Uh, so Rob Cohen? Is that who did it? Rob Bowman, I Bowman? think. Bowman? Yeah. yeah. There we do. There we go. There we do. Um, well, I think the, the one thing, though, about Game of Thrones is that that made it work, I think, in its in its early episodes, like kind of when people were still figuring out, is it's really always important to remember that the first scene of Game of Thrones is a scene with, like, a bunch of zombies. And then it basically just becomes, like, medieval times uh, family drama. Like, and there's, you know, with power plays and, you know, mysterious things happening. But, you know, the mystery, it's all, it's kind of like almost, you know, you watch those early episodes and you're like, oh, man, there's going to be, this is not a show that feels like a show that's going to evolve into a place where, like, people have magic babies that stab people and, you know, actual dragons like you know you don't anticipate dragons coming back in when you watch the pilot of game of thrones and yet that's a huge part of the show and so i think like the fact is they kind of eased us into the genre element uh from the from the beginning with game of thrones whereas westworld is just like bam robots bam future bam you're it's also a western guys deal with it yeah it's very upfront and unabashedly proud of as it should be the fact that it's blending these genres together and and Quite the compelling t- turn of events, I should say. <laughs> Quite the compelling combination of scenes. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, to go along with it, there's certain things about Westworld. If you're when you're comparing it directly to Game of Thrones, that prove to be interesting components. I'd say, like one of the big deals that keeps coming up with Game of Thrones, and one of the big deals that happened in its first season that really got people talking was that they killed off a main character. Like mm-hmm. these character deaths have been something that. You know, have generated years worth of buzz when it comes to like John friggin' Snow. That was a nice little eye roll you had there. Yeah, I wish everybody could have seen it. Um, but that's not. I mean, it's it's definitely a possibility for Westworld. It's something that they could do. But they also have characters, or they have Crete, I should say, robots, and that can die, and will just keep coming back. It's like you watch them die, but then they just recirculate. Like they they're not actually gone from the show. The character hasn't actually disappeared. Um, and in terms of humans dying, obviously that can happen too, but I mean, there's, there seems to be a lot of ways in which characters can return, and the threat of death isn't quite as prominent over this as it is over Game of Thrones, even though there is a lot of death kind of surrounding the show. So I could see, on the one hand, why uh, an executive, I'm not assuming this is what HBO thought, but an executive could have looked at the script and be like, oh my god, look at all these deaths, look at all these twists we can have, or look at all these, like, look at, look at the appeal and the buzz we can generate from this without really realizing that that's not the same thing as what's going on in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I feel like it's also important to mention that if you actually do remember the original 1973 film that made by Michael Crichton, uh, you should not go into this Westworld thinking too much about that Westworld. It's a very different sort of uh, approach to, yes, the same essential premise. But there's actually it's actually a deliberate choice that was made uh, by the creators, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, to basically to tell the story from the robot's point of view initially. And if you've seen the original Westworld, you know that they don't do that. Westworld begins with the guests. The guests are entering the park. Uh, and as a result, it's a very human-centric tell, uh, human-centric tale. 
Yeah, and I, I feel like this is kind of a, a good example of the best kind of remake that you can yeah. imagine in that, for one, the original isn't really held in that high of regard. It's got a bit of a cult following surrounding it, but nobody is comparing it to, you know, they're not putting it on a pedestal. They're not saying this is, you know, you can't touch this. This is sacred territory. Uh, and two, they, they've really repurposed the message and the content and, and the formula of this very basic idea. So, I, again, it's, it's, it's exciting to see where it goes. I'm sure there will be nice little homages to some of the stuff that happens within the course of the movie. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd, same thing. I'd strongly encourage anybody who's a fan of sci-fi, westerns, mysteries, action. There's, there's some really well-done action scenes in this. There's, yeah. They've got some swagger to the show, which is appreciated. I mean, it's, it, the, the thing about westerns and it's never been a genre I've been a huge fan of, but I have enjoyed it. And the thing about them is that at their heart, they can just be really fun. Like, it's just, like, cool to watch, like, you know, to, with the horses and the the six-shooters and, you know, the last stands for, 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 for manly man, manhoodness. Yeah, and they're making a statement about that in the show as well. They're very aware of kind of the staples of the genre as well as um, kind of deconstructing them in a beautiful way because within this world of Westworld, they have to create those kind of scenarios to satisfy the customers who are coming to live out those fantasies that they've seen in TV and movies. Mm-hmm. So now that they're, now that you're getting to watch them in a TV show in which people are aware that this is how they should be acting within the genre, it creates this kind of meta reality for you as well as a, a kind of a fun commentary on the brutality of it, especially in that pilot. Especially, I mean, especially in the pilot. When oh, yeah. you see a certain guest do something, I'll say, since yeah. we're not spoiling anything. It, it's <laughs> it's one of those moments where it's like, that's not cool. This is not funny. This is not as he's so happy about it, and it's not something to be happy about. Yeah. So there, there's a, they're, they're very conscious of it. It's another thing that I like about the show. They seem to be very aware of, his, of the plethora of possibilities that they have. Like, they, they really do, and they put up a lot of questions. They put up a lot of – they start a lot of mysteries. There's going to be a lot of threads hanging throughout the show. Um, but they seem pretty aware of when to pull on them. Yeah. Uh, I interviewed uh, – when I interviewed Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, they talked about how uh, essentially when they were first working on it, they basically wallpapered their house with all, all their ideas and notes and so forth, you know, like a crazy person does. Um, and by the time they reached the end of the first season, they said they had covered about one-eighth of what they would put on their walls. And so I asked if they, I asked if it would, that that meant it would go on for another seven seasons. They said probably not, but they did say, but they have said recently that they see this going as much as five seasons, uh, and they have uh, like an idea of how that would flow. Yeah, which to me is the biggest problem facing Westworld. I, I always, I'm very skittish of the idea that things are so planned out, and that's supposed to give me confidence. Because you don't really know how something's going to work until you've got part of it in the can, especially with a TV show. You've got to let those first few episodes happen, shoot them, see what is working, what's not working, see what characters are engaging, what characters aren't engaging. And you have to leave open the door for possibilities to change things, to make things better, to improve on something that maybe you thought of, thought would be great uh, two years ago when you mapped this out, but isn't going to turn out that way when it's happening. And that's not to say these people haven't done it. It's not to say that the Nolans uh, don't have contingency plans or aren't open to experiment with other forms. But I'm always very cautious when people say they've got this mapped out through X seasons. It's like, all right, well, 
leave yourself a little bit of room. Well, I'm going to I'm going to say in fairness to them that they also have been working on this for 2 years and they're only making these statements now. It's not like they announced the show and like, "Oh, by the way, we have a 5-year plan." They've been living with this for quite some time and making these comments now. That means nothing to me because they haven't made the show. They hadn't made the show when they like they were they'd made part of the show when they were making the comments, but if they'd mapped it out I don't care if they mapped it out for two years. Once you st- put your feet on the ground, it's going to change things. No, Once I'm saying, you see but I'm the saying, result. I'm saying they might have it mapped out now, like right now as we're talking. They might not have had it mapped out at the very beginning. Unless I misread what, admit, unless confused. I misread what? I'm very confused. What I'm saying is when they first started making the pilot, when they made their first several episodes, they may not have had a full like five season outline. And then later, now when they've got probably most of the show in the can and they're making comments to press, now they can say they have a five-year plan. All right. Maybe. I don't don't think the timeline quite matches up because they've been saying this for six months now at least. Okay. But in fairness, we don't know exactly what they've got mapped up and we don't know exactly how much they've got secured in terms of their five to seven year plan because you know sometimes this is just what people want to hear a lot of people in in post lost world want to know that a show with a lot of mysteries has answers coming and you don't have to worry about it um so they could be saying that because it's like listen we've started these threads we do have answers to them maybe we'll have to change them later but you don't want to hear that and that's too complicated of an answer to give so we're just going to tell you we've got answers planned if we have to change them we'll change them now remind me, uh, because you you brought up Lost, I'll do you I'll do you one better and bring up the leftovers. You've uh, in in talking with Damon Lindelof, you, he he's refused to basically plan out too much of these days, right? He does, yeah, he doesn't really plan like that. He breaks down episodes and seasons, right? So because I, I one of the things I would always I, I mean in the in the post Lost world, it was really interesting to go back and find out what they had originally planned for the show, and you know they've they've been. Various producers have been various levels of candid about how much has much changed from the original framework and, you know, how much they actually meant to do versus what they did. Um, but it would be really fascinating to go, like, for, I, I don't know which kind of, what what show this would be great for, but, like, to find a, sh- a show creator who's willing to show, like, his initial pitch documents, because women don't direct t- <laughs> create TV shows, but to you find know, their, find, they're take, not allowed to. Yeah. Uh, but he to take the original pitch documents and go over them and like reveal like how what had to change why they changed it that sort of thing. Yeah. These are these are my dreams. Well, I'm sure they'll be realized at some point. That's really that's I, I like your faith, Ben. I like your faith in that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just too many showrunners out there who like to talk and and too many shows out there that have lasted long enough and have been off the air long enough where people will be willing to you know talk about these things for a blu-ray release or yeah. a, a 10-year anniversary or something so I, I mean i think we'll get those answers and I, I don't think it's really a concern right now to worry about with westworld whether you want to make sure that there's a plan or you hope that there's not a plan it's best just to go along with the ride and trust what you're seeing on the screen because what's on there seems to be working pretty well yeah absolutely um so i mean i guess the question of the week should be hey did you watch westworld did you enjoy it do you see do you see it filling the Game of Thrones void in your life? Presuming you have a Game of Thrones void in your life. Some people do, some people don't. We don't judge. I mean, you don't judge, Liz. <laughs> that's true. That is a factual statement. Um, so that's Liz at IndieWire.com, Ben at IndieWire.com to let us know about that. And in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, well, Liz, as much as I hate to say it at the start of pretty much every season, um, the, be- the best thing I watched... Last week was New Girl. Um, 
I declared that show dead at the end of you, last you, season. You, 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 that show was, you pounded a stake through its heart and it wasn't even a vampire. It was a human, Ben. It was a human show. It deserved it. It absolutely did. That, that finale of last season is still one of the great tragedies. Why did you even go back so. to watch? Because I'm always going to go back to watch. It's, it, this has been my ongoing tiff with New Girl since day one it's one of those shows that's incredibly inconsistent it keeps trying to force a relationship aka nick and jess into being something that people care about it's not it may be someday you should not it is garbage (laughs) it is a garbage fire and what's worse is it let that stupid dynamic come back into play out of left field with no preparation whatsoever and it ruined the only relationship that they've been able to make any kind of legitimate drama out of. I mean, Schmidt and Cece have been the best part of that show for a long time. They made that, they built up perfectly to the wedding. They got everybody back into the apartment for a nice game of True America the night before, and then they just screwed it up. But anyway. This is the best thing Ben watched last week, for the record. Well, that's the worst thing I watched last year. The best thing I watched this week was they got back to basics. They Like they always do at the start of a season. They... They've re-engaged with the, with the core group. They're doing a much better job of kind of keeping this giant horde of players active and, and putting them in the right places. And they continued that in a, in a well-directed episode by Zoe Deschanel to open the season. And I think there's been two more since then. Um, it's, it's good. It's still enjoyable. And Schmidt is obviously still the best part. And as much as I hate to, to become dependent on that show or to know that it's there, to look forward to it because of... Uh, you know, how much they keep ripping my heart out over these silly little quibbles, but it's still good. It's still one of the better sitcoms on TV when it gets it right, and it gets it right often enough where watching those great episodes makes up for the ones that are terrible. I was waiting for it terrible. It was coming. Uh, But yeah, Liz, what about you? Best thing you watched last week? Um, Well, maybe it's just because it's fresh in my head, but I'm going to go with Luke Cage. Yeah. Yep. Ben knew it was happening. Then, then was I? I binged it, binged the whole season uh, over the last twelve hours to write a review, um, and not the last twelve hours, like the last twenty-four ish. Plus, I'd, I'd gotten a head start thanks to screeners, so uh, it was a lot. Um, but there's something there's there's so many compelling elements to that show, and there there are things that I feel like I feel like Ben, when you watch it, there are going to be things that there there might be things that drive you a little nitpicky crazy. When I watch it, Liz. When if I don't. If. If is a good is probably the better qualifier. Okay, fine. I remember. I mean, I won't make that joke because we're actually on a podcast right now and not in the privacy of our office. But I'm like Donald Trump here. I'm so nice. Oh I'm not going to make the mean joke. Sorry, that was the worst thing we watched last week. Ugh. Um, sorry. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, Luke Cage is great. It's got it's got it's got Mike Coulter being awesome, and it's got Alfre Woodard being a total villain. It's so great. I never knew I wanted her to play a total villain until I got to see this. It's so wonderful. She's such a like she has such fun with it, and it's such a pleasure to see that. And Rosario Dawson is in way more of the season than I anticipated, and that is awesome for a lot of reasons, because especially because it's Rosario Dawson, um, and she's great. And so like it's just great. It's all great. Um, and there's just a lot of really interesting elements to it, especially in terms of the fact that it really does commit to the, the general Marvel, um, Marvel policy that the Marvel universe takes place in our universe, but with superheroes. So in the Marvel world, Barack Obama is president right now. Um, in the Marvel world, 
uh, LeBron James plays basketball. And in the Marvel world, uh, uh, Trayvon Martin exists as per a, a rap performed by Method Man in Luke Cage, who also, by the way, Method Man also exists in Luke Cage in, in the Marvel world. Um, I just jiggled the cord there, and I'm really excited to see what that does to our audio later. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, so Luke Cage was great. Can't, I can't, can't, can't wait for, uh, can't wait for the Defenders. Yeah. Can wait for, can wait for Daredevil season three. Can wait for the Punisher. I can wait for those things. You can just put them off forever, but I am ready for the, the Defenders. I think they should have just made this a, a two character universe in which we had Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and we just bounced back and forth between them and it would be this great kind of independent individual storylines that crossed over from time to time because they're madly in love with each other um so it played out as this great kind of romantic drama over the two series but then individually they built their own stuff and it would be great yeah we don't have to deal with all that other crappy stuff yeah if i'd had a time if i had had time earlier today i would have uh, spent a little sat back down with uh, some of my graphic novels including uh, the series in which luke cage and jessica jones are in fact uh and, uh, living together with a baby. Oh boy! Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. Into it. It's called the Pulse. I haven't. I only read like the first trade paperback, but it was great. Hmm. I keep saying the word "great." I haven't had a lot of sleep. Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Well, Elizabeth, let me tell you what. This next week, it's got a lot of shows coming out. I don't know if there's a lot of shows that I care about coming out. Right. Um. And frankly, I just <coughs> I have to be honest with you guys. You're devout listeners you care deeply enough about us to to tweet at me when i say something stupid and to send liz emails when she kindly asks you for your thoughts the only thing that matters next week is the chicago cubs (laughs) and their playoff series against whoever the fuck shows up who is it going to be we don't know okay i won't know we won't even know on monday okay we'll know on wednesday when when do the cubs play next friday this Friday? Yes. Like a week from the day we're recording this? Yes. Okay. Wait, they're ha- how, they take that long off? Well, there's so they're playing over the weekend for okay. their final series of the regular season. Then on Tuesday and Wednesday, I believe, of next week are the wild card games, the play-in games to get into the playoffs. That decides who the Cubs play. Then the Cubs play them on Friday, and then the Cubs, they better take control. So those are the days I should be definitely watching the baseball, right? Yeah. No, you should be (laughs) as far away from this as you possibly can. You are a bad luck charm, as determined by one, not even an inning, I don't think, like half an inning of a baseball game a couple weeks ago. They won the game. They did not do well when you were watching. They won in spite of you, Liz, not because of you. So when you, you know, go on your heroic journey, you, you finish your quest, and you come back a changed woman with good luck, then you can watch the Cubs. Just root <laughs> on your Giants. You're a Giants fan. They're in the race. Keep rooting for them. Deal with them. Okay. I'm not. I, trust me, when I root for the Giants, nothing good happens either. <laughs> Fine. Win win. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm sure uh, you all wanted to know that very important baseball schedule coming out, especially since it's some sort of garbage fire in which like half the games are on TBS and the other half are on ESPN, and then boy. some of them are on like True TV. I don't even. It's stupid. True TV. I hope not. I, I I'm hoping I'm just imagining that. But um, anyway, Liz, is there a television show that is scripted that maybe people should look forward to next week? Well. 
Go Cubs. As a new as as far as new shows go, well, you should be you should be looking forward to Black Mirror. Uh, you, we'll be talking about more about that one in the, the weeks ahead. Actually, Ben, what's really funny is uh, I just I put this down largely because I'd started watching it just briefly before we started talking. I'm really excited to check out more episodes of Pitch. Oh my god! Aw, all those weeks of Fringe have just beaten you into submission on this one, haven't they? I guess so. (laughs) Or all those weeks of Fringe has beaten your brain into a pulp, (laughs) a pulp that is ready and willing to accept Pitch. Uh, It's just I'm curious about it, and I want to see like it was you know whether or not you like the pilot. The fact of the matter is they're going to keep making more of the show for at least the time being. And yeah, I've got it on my watch list on Hulu. I'll check out season episode two. Yeah, so that's all I'm. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing how they evolve the show. It's same for similar reasons. I want to catch up on This Is Us because I hear episode two God. had a twist as well. It does. It's so stupid. Oh really? Yeah. Oh now I can't wait. It's so bad. Oh my god, I can't wait. I'm now I'm even more excited now, Ben. Can I spoil one little thing? Um. It's not really a spoiler. Okay. It kind of is. <laughs> all right. You're the spoiler, Felice. Uh. This is tough for me because I don't care about this show. No one else should. Just, you know what? We're not going to say anything important. Okay, after this, sorry. So just tune it, off the it, podcast. Tweet, tweet Ben privately afterward. Send Ben a tweet and he'll tell you on Twitter. No, I'm going to say it. I'm telling you to just stop listening to the podcast if you're worried about it. You do get to see people in old age makeup. Ah, I heard rumors about this. And they look terrible. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. It's so bad. Oh, I, yeah, wonderful. I, that one. You know the the question after that pilot that we yeah aired why, on why, this what the thing, hell what the hell what are they going to do they just keep talking about the same stuff from the first nothing happens nothing it, new is, it, occurs is the fat is the fat lady's weight the only thing that matters about her as a person you bet oh good she literally I think she actually says not those exact words but she says something to the point of I am always going to be the fat lady and I'm always going to think about being fat and it's like okay. I mean, have you have you tried books? Have you like well, I don't even want to question like your problem. I just want to say, are you trying to tell me that's literally all we're going to learn about you? Because I feel like you have to have more of a of a dimensionality than this for us to continue. But no, like and I, the everything is just slightly extended without consequences or changes. So it's yeah, it's garbage. Anyway, wow. Well, that makes me sad. You're gonna love it. <laughs> Okay, that makes me happy. Right. You can follow my continually pinwheeling emotions as well as um, news, reviews, and other features on IndieWire.com. Make sure you listen to Screen Talk with our own Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn uh, for all the latest movie news and why film festival is going on right now. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. Lots of uh, underseen gems that are out there. In fact, you can listen to our film critics uh, David Ehrlich and Eric Cohn talk about it on our Facebook Live that just went up on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't forget to listen to Michael Schneider, our executive editor's new podcast, Turn It On. Turn It On. Uh, with lots of wonderful guests talking about the TV that is coming out this very week. So um, if you ever need to, or well, since you always need to stay current on television, you always need to know what the new, best, most talked about series are, listen to Turn It On. Yep. And you can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can follow, well, wait, follow? Find. Find and follow. Yeah, you can do Elizabeth. both of if you want. You do. You can find Elizabeth on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. And you guys, as always, keep watching television. Go Cubs. Go Cubs.